when she was sleeping after the operation. And he wondered, on the way home in his granddad's car, whether her dying would mean he'd get to stay on the mainland forever. He'd never forgotten the way the thought had felt in his head, hot and guilty. He reached out to the box's cold stone, squeezed Barnaby one last time, then tossed him after the other sacrifices and stepped towards the others. Finally, said Arkell. Mac raised his sacrifice. You're putting in your watch, said Lamb. Why not? said Mac, shrugging. There, I stopped the hands. It'll always show the time of this perfect moment when we did this together. It doesn't matter what you put in, said Arkell. Right? It's just a thing. It does so matter, said Sepp. We're doing this for each other. Whatever you sacrifice, it has to mean something. All right, Seppi. So what do we do now? Close it, said Sepp. Mac's dark brows furrowed low as he heaved on the box's stone lid. Sepp looked for Barnaby, but the box was deep and there was only darkness inside. He thought about the broken wrist that had kept Lamb from hockey camp, the holidays abroad that had isolated Hadley, Mac and Arkell from their usual friends, the way they'd bumped into each other on the beach, and how they'd drifted into such perfect happiness over the last couple of weeks. You know, he said, I've loved this summer. I've never really had anyone to... I mean, the lid slipped. Max swore and snatched his hand away, gripping his fingers. Are you okay? said Hadley. Are you bleeding? No, it's fine. Mac flexed his fingers and swore again. Then he laughed. I think it bit me. They stood back and looked at the sacrifice box. As the lid darkened in the rain, it disappeared into the forest's skin seeming like nothing more than a small, turf-sunk boulder. The world smelled bright and fresh and green. It's kind of amazing we found this, said Lamb. It was the storm, said Sepp, twisting his headphones. The box wasn't here last week. The rain must have washed it out. How old do you think it is, said Hadley. Hundreds of years, maybe thousands. Maybe millions, said Arkell. You're an idiot, Lamb muttered, then flicked his ear. Arkell grinned. I still think we should have made it into a fire pit, he said, flipping the lid on his lighter up and down. Sepp saw Hadley watching him from under her fringe. Her tormentors, Sonia and Chantel, had chased her to the forest and along the edge of the ravine, and her eyes were still red. He looked up through the trees at the clouds, great towers of pearl that flattened to anvils on the sky and spread out over the island. The tide crashed onto the rocks, and he thought of his mum listening to the waves through the open window of the living room. Now what? said Arkell. We say Sepp's words, said Mac. They're not really mine, said Sepp, 
remembering how the words had come to him, like driven into his skull, a waking dream so vivid he'd cried out in the bright sunshine. What do you mean? said Lamb. I kind of dreamed them. They're just... They're the boxes rules. All right, so we say them. Then what? Then we'll always be friends, said Sep. How does that work? said Arkel. Because we're making a promise to each other. And it'll be our secret, said Hadley, gripping her inhaler. We can't tell anyone. Oh, I don't think we should talk about this at school, said Arkel. I mean, it's, it's kind of lame. The rain started again, cold drops on their hot skin. Let's say the words then, said Sep. Bagsy not standing next to you, poo legs, said Arkel.